This is John Hulsman, and welcome to the Patrick Henry Podcast, where we look at the world's institutions and see how they're doing. Often in doing these, of course, one takes a negative run. One looks at what's wrong with the European Union or the United States or international institutions such as we've done, but we must be also careful not to be overly gloomy. I always say this about political risk. Even the term political risk is an odd one because there are rewards as well as risks as situations become fluid and change. And today I'm here to talk about a system that's doing better, and that is the Anglosphere. Um, when I started my work at the Heritage Foundation in 1999, along with a group of other people, I came up with this term, which denotes the UK and the former English colonies, what used to be called in racist days the White Dominions, places like Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and even its far cousin, the United States, which had the same common law system culturally embedded in them. And at the time, people said this was just a Churchill tribute act that we were living in a reactionary past that didn't exist. And I found this to be ludicrous, because if you look at the foreign direct investment flows between these countries and the Anglosphere, you see that they invest in each other at the highest rate. And FDI in the era of globalization is increasingly the name of the game. For instance, the UK is the largest foreign direct investor in the United States and vice versa. We share a common language. We share a common legal system. We share a common view of, of nature in the sense, as Locke would put it, we see the rights of the individuals as more important than even our European friends who are another democratic branch of the tree, but we believe in individual liberty far more. We tend to be other than the UK frontier cultures, prone more to violence than Europe, but also prone to act geostrategically. It isn't a mistake that in all the major world wars of the last century, World Wars I, World War II, and the Cold War, all the Anglosphere countries strikingly ended up on the same side. Um, this isn't a mistake. This is a common cultural union that has been neglected. Far from being a Ch Churchill Tribute Act, FDI flows flow between these at the highest level imaginable. At the same time, we have military coordination at the highest level imaginable geostrategically. And importantly, the Five Eyes Intelligence Group, the greatest intelligence sharing consortium in history. The Five Eyes are composed of the U.S. and the Anglosphere countries. The five members of the Five Eyes Intelligence Sharing Consortium are the United States, the U.K., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, where we every Tuesday share open source intelligence, signals intelligence, like baseball cards. Here's what we've got. What do you have? We don't do that with any other group, despite our many other alliances, and this is because we share a common cultural comfort with one another that is unique. So be it intelligence, be it military matters, be it foreign direct investment, I decided along with a small, very small group of others that the Anglosphere needed to be counted as a great power and looked at on its own, far from being the past, far from being a Churchill Tribute Act, this was indeed the future. And boy, hasn't this been true, proven so. Over China, the greatest signal threat to the world we live in, to the established order we live in, in the Indo-Pacific, the key region in the world where almost all the economic growth will be coming from in the future, along with most of the economic risk, the Anglosphere has proven itself to be far more real uh, than U.S. ties transatlantically with Europe, whereas Europe is confused between French Gaulism 
German mercantilist neutralism and Northern and, and Eastern Europeans wanting to be Atlanticist along with Mario Draghi, totally divided. On the Anglosphere, we see strong anti-Chinese coalitions forming between Canada, Australia, uh, the United States, the UK. And this has hit a new high in the last day with the notion of AUKUS, Australia, the UK, and the US agreeing to a formal defense pact. Britain and the United States will help the Australians build a nuclear-powered submarine as part of an overall strategic alliance created in the face of an increasingly belligerent China. This would have happened probably anyway, but Xi Jinping, by scaring the horses, by repressing people in Hong Kong, repressing the Uyghurs in western Xinjiang province, by constant overflights of Taiwan, by claiming what they call the Diaowu Islands in the East China Sea, and the Japanese call the Senkakus, which they control, by building militarized islands in the South China Sea, by attacking the Indians along the line of control in the Himalaya, by bullying the Australians for having the nerve to question the origins of the coronavirus, by all these matters and scaring the horses in the region, there is no doubt that Xi Jinping has perversely and stupidly bound the Anglosphere together, particularly the UK, Australia, and the United States, all of whom have taken an anti-Chinese position, all of whom don't want China rearranging the ordering of the Indo-Pacific, but now want to work more and more together in tandem. Um, China's naval force, for instance, has trebled in just the last two decades. These nations already work together, as I said, across the board in terms of economic investment, geoeconomics, in terms of geopolitics, and in terms of intelligence sharing through the five eyes. And this is the next step along the way. By giving Aust Australia nuclear-powered submarines, the U.S. and the U.K. will make Australia only the seventh country in the world to possess these top-of-the-line nuclear subs, which are certainly a match for anything the Chinese Navy can throw themselves at. But this needs to be looked at more broadly as this newly established pattern of alliances out in the Indo-Pacific, which is led by the Anglosphere, unlike the European Union, which is neutralist and confused, the Anglosphere has resolutely taken a pro-American, anti-Chinese line in the Indo-Pacific. And this is just another domino falling in line with this new reality that the Anglosphere plus the U.S. is challenging China, is trying to contain China and retain the established order in the Indo-Pacific. And this is very good news indeed. I'd give you an idea of the order of importance that is emerging in policy terms. The French had already contracted $90 billion to build Australia diesel-powered subs, which are not as good as the nuclear-powered subs, but this is a hefty order. Australia, seeing the way the wind is blowing and where its interests lie in the Anglosphere, abrogate this deal with the French and instead decide to go along with the UK and the US. This is the way the wind is blowing. You can now look at the Indo-Pacific and the global alignment of the world rather starkly. Russia tilts toward China. The EU is neutralist and confused. The Anglosphere in Japan and India tilt toward the United States. Again, this is the new coalescing order of alliances at the great power level, at the highest geostrategic level. And it needs to be looked at because what just happened is a major change with AUKUS. We now have the Anglosphere, India, Japan, and the United States aligned increasingly tightly. We have Russia, 
and China loosely aligned with the EU somewhere floating in the middle ineffectually. But this AUKUS agreement really does is the negotiation of an alliance that now is the personification of the Anglosphere moving in, in this geostrategic direction. Uh, and the French abrogation makes the point that Australia doesn't see its strategic future with a rudderless EU. Instead, it sees, even with the French being the most strategically savvy member of the EU, which they surely are, instead they're throwing in their lot fully with the U.S. and with the U.K. And this makes perfect sense. When you add in this layering of alliances dominated by the Anglosphere, the UK, the US, Australia over AUKUS, plus the Quad, which is sort of the nascent NATO organization in the Indo-Pacific, whose membership comprises of Australia, Anglosphere country, the US, India, a distant cousin of the Anglosphere, but certainly part of that British colonial experience for good and ill, and then Japan, an honorary member of the Anglosphere, which has had close ties to the UK since the Meiji Restoration when they looked to Britain to modernize their country. They established a pro-British alliance before World War I and fought on the side of the UK in World War I and has remained an honorary member of the Anglosphere. Indeed, there's a lot of talk about Japan wanting to join the Five Eyes. And if and when this happens, and I certainly hope it does, you then have a really bound system of alliances connecting the U.S., great powers, Japan and India, and Anglosphere countries like the UK and Australia through the Quad and AUKUS. This is a big, big deal. And this is good news. The Chinese helped to, to throw these countries into each other's arms, but they would probably have ended up in each other's arms anyway. Because when you look at the Anglosphere, they remind me, and I've been involved in US-UK relations since my student days at St. Andrews, and I'm well aware that we don't always like each other, even though we're cousins. It always strikes me that the special relationship to those on the outside don't understand it. It's like two cousins being stranded in an Agatha Christie mystery at Christmas, stuck in the snow with one another and not much liking it. That often is the pattern. And we often actually more agree with frontier countries such as Australia. I find it much easier to diplomatically work with the Australians than with the Brits. Um, again, we're frontier societies and they can't quite figure out how we ever got ahead without them. That's still there. But beneath all this, like Butch and Sundance, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, we bicker, we fight, but we come out shooting the Bolivian army together. And AUKUS is just another sign of this happening. This is the best news in a long time, that Joe Biden is actually living up to his notion that Donald Trump was right about the Indo-Pacific. Donald Trump was right to take on the Chinese and see them as the great revolutionary disruptive force of our time and the one that needs containing. But where Biden is actually now putting money where his mouth is, is to making that alliance system real. Uh, the Quad, which was nurtured under Trump and Jinzo Abe, particularly the far-seeing former prime minister of Japan, under Biden has gone up a step in that it's meeting at the leader's level and talking about more than just China and freedom of navigation, but COVID, uh, COVID battling, dealing with pandemics across the board, and working together more closely on a variety of other non-military issues. AUKUS now is a direct military alliance set up to certainly contain the Chinese, these things coming together is the best news in a long time because the United States' greatest advantage vis-a-vis -vis China is that it has the power to attract far more allies, and it's now doing this at the great power level, having India, the, the future of the world, growing at the greatest rate with demo demographic catch-up growth in front of it, 
as an ally, long-standing ally Japan, long-standing ally Australia, and then Sundance to Arbutch Cassidy, the UK, all on side to contain China is great, great good news for liberty everywhere. Because containing China by activating this alliance, what the Chinese can't do, the only possible long-term Chinese ally is Russia, and there are huge limitations to that alliance. Siberia leaps to mind. The Russians' desire not to be Robin to China's Batman geostrategically leaps to mind. Great Russian nationalism does not allow for a Robin-like role here. But adding all this up, even with Russia, wouldn't you rather be allies with the Anglosphere, India, Japan, and the United States on one side, and tepidly Russia, China on the other, with the EU floating, again, uselessly in the middle? This allows the United States to activate its greatest advantage moving forward. So on this, on this toward the end of the week on Thursday, it's great to talk about good news that AUKUS is part of the Americans getting their forces geostrategically ready in the Indo-Pacific to contain China. Certainly they have Xi Jinping and his bullying to thank for part of this, but a huge reason for this is the cultural affinities of the Anglosphere. Like Butch and Sundance, we might not always like each other, but we come out shooting together. And this is a wonderful continuation of this geostrategic pattern because the Anglosphere at base, one of the cultural things it has in common beyond free markets and free movement and democracy is a belief in the individual and individual liberty in a way even the EU does not possess. And so to have the Anglosphere come down on the side of human liberty is unsurprising, but Patrick Henry would find it very gratifying. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope you like this very important Patrick Henry podcast. And for those of you who are listening now to the Patrick Henry podcast, to the Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast, to our book serializations, and to our articles, please do subscribe. I'm gratified so many of you have, and keep that going. And those of you who have subscribed for free, we're moving a lot of the content, as one does, onto the paid subscription in the near future. Please do sign up for the minimal fee of just $7 a month. Our Substack uh, honor code means that you have to contribute basically a Starbucks a month to hear this interesting, cutting-edge reality. Other people are just waking up to the fact that the Anglosphere exists. We've been saying this for 20 years. Hitch on to the train that is both creative, entertaining, and right. And for this price, we will continue at $70 a year to provide you with fun, cutting-edge facts about how our new, fascinating world really works. Thank you very much.